Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today we'll be talking about pathways to pregnancy with best-selling author, international speaker, acupuncturist, and high-performance coach, Mary Wong. She's the founder of Alive Holistic Health and is one of North America's, one of the leading wellness clinics. Mary has helped over 10,000 women and counting overcome infertility, PCOS, and other health challenges. Often when everything else has failed, Mary's life mission is to bridge the gap to care, helping humans thrive in mind, body, and soul. Mary co-hosts My Fertology podcast, helping to boost women from fertility and beyond, and is a health expert on CityLine Canada's longest running daytime TV show specifically targeted to women. And today we're gonna be talking about her book, Pathways to Pregnancy. Uh, I just read it um, last night and it is an amazing book on fertility. It's really unlike any others that I have read and I'm just so thrilled to be chatting with her about it today. So welcome Mary to the PCOS Diva podcast. Thank you so much for having me here, Amy. Like it's an honor and a thrill. And I have to say that I've been listening to your podcasts and they've been so stellar. And I love your mission of being able to educate and providing women with informed choice for their lives, and which is exactly what I'm about. Well, I, I don't know why it took me so long to have you on the podcast because you've been on my radar for quite some time now. I follow you on social media and um, you are are definitely one of the, the brightest voices um, helping and advocating for women with PCOS. So I'm, I'm really excited for our conversation today. Wow, thank you. So reading your book, you open with a really powerful story um, about how you ended up, you know, helping, uh, women in, in this way in your clinic. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of share a a bit about what led you to, um, become a Chinese medicine practitioner, um, and one that specializes in, you know, PCOS and fertility. So, Yeah, I'll have to say it's actually a two part story, because first, the first and foremost was, you know, all along in my life, I'd always revered Mother Teresa. So I 
I've wanted to help people since I was a little girl. And I had always thought that it was going to be in Western medicine. I was going to go to med school because, you know, every Asian out there coming from an immigrant family, you have three choices. Like, you know, you become a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. <laughs> so I started off actually going into accounting in grade, you know, 11 or something. And then I went, ew, yuck. I don't think I like it. And then in university, my intention was I was like taking pre-med courses. But in second year of university, what you call college, my grandmother, who was 86 at the time, was sick and she was dying in the hospital. The doctors literally said she has two weeks to live. So we thought, okay, we'll just bring her home because we don't want her to be in the hospital. We want to be with her. So we brought her home. And then it was my brother, my older brother, who said, uh, well, we're Chinese. Maybe we should try Chinese medicine. So <laughs> at the time, there was this thing called the Yellow Pages. I think you were the sim similar vintage. So um, it's like this book that you look for because um, uh, there was no you know, Google, it's just like this book of directory. And we found an acupuncturist locally. So I was given the task, I would drive her downtown to this Chinatown herbal store, and I'd walk her into the back room where this ancient doctor was, he was like old himself. But I was fascinated, and more than fascinated, within a couple of months, I'm gonna say three months, she not only didn't die, but she actually ended up living another eight years. So in that moment, I'm like, holy cow, why the heck did she get pronounced as good as dead when this helped to save her life? And so in that moment, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to now pivot. So, you know, I got a little disenchanted, to say the least. And so instead of going to med school, I finished my college degree and then I went straight into acupuncture and Chinese medicine. So there's been no turning back. I've been doing it for 29 years and I started out as a generalist, but over time and over the years, as things go and perhaps a community of your listeners are, are in the same boat, you know, typically um, in our North American society or actually internationally in a developed, developed country, we go to school for longer. We think about marriage a little later in life. And oftentimes, it, you know, having about having kids is not even in the radar for a very long time. So for me, um, in my 30s, I'm like, okay, you know what? It's not really happening. And um, I'm just going to make sure my fertility is good. And I've been treating lots of people for fertility. So I became more and more interested. And when I, I guess I got a name for it as well so more and more people seek me out for fertility PCOS endometriosis you know a lot of gynecological female issues and um, then I think what catapulted me to become a way better human being was that I ended up struggling with fertility which I had like no clue that was going to happen because you know who knew um, and Amy you said that the doctor diagnosed you was that the case or did you figure that out on your own through tracking first oh yeah so I was doing the Crichton model of fertility tracking when I was trying to get pregnant with my second child 
and was having trouble. And it was actually the nurse practitioner that was kind of instructing me on the method. Saw this chart with all of these. If, if anybody does Crichton model, they'll know the yellow baby stickers. There was lots yes. of yellow baby stickers, which shows that I have all of this this um, non-ovulatory mucus. And she suggested that I might have PCOS. And um, so that's, then that led me down to the route of getting a diagnosis. But yeah, really understanding my cycle was so, was a powerful tool for me. And that's one of the, you know, the reasons that, um, you know, I advocate for that, for women with PCOS, that you, you have to know your cycle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so it's interesting that you say that because so in Chinese medicine, that's the premise of our work where we look at signs and symptoms in the body that basically gives us a clue as to what's going on internally. And the menstrual cycle is certainly one aspect we look at for sure, hands mm-hmm. down. And um, I was never diagnosed with PCOS, but I suspect that it was there for me. But my challenge for um, fertility was actually um, that I had blocked fallopian tubes when I was trying to conceive. I met my husband at 38 and then we tried to start conceiving right away because it's like, mm, it's now or never. So <laughs> before we even got married, we started trying and I wasn't thinking that I would ever have any issues because both my grandmothers naturally conceived at 46. Wow. So in my mind, like, Oh, I have lots mm-hmm. of time. Right. But now in retrospect, it's like, mm, I wonder if they actually had PCOS because mm-hmm. We know PCOS women actually normalize their hormones a bit better as they get mature and their reproductive lifespan is longer than other women, right? Yes. And, and I, I'm sure you see that in your, your practice. I, I see that with a lot of women um, on pri- my private community page and coaching um, who've struggled for years but are able to get pregnant later in life. Yes. Myself yes. included. <laughs> right. Cause, um, well, how old were you when you had your kids? Yeah. So I had, um, my, my last child, my daughter, when I was 37 after doctors had, um, told me for years, I would never get pregnant again without fertility pr- treatment. And I would never get pregnant because I had PCOS and, um, and we're going to talk about that. You have some excellent information, uh, advice for women, um, when dealing with, with, uh, doctors, but yeah, so that, that was my story later in life as well. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I didn't expect it. And there was truly shame around it. And I was hiding the fact because it's like, oh my gosh, here I am treating women with and and couples for fertility. And I like, I have blocked fallopian tubes that it's irreversible. It's like, what the heck, you know, this shouldn't be happening to me. And and so it's like, do I hide this? But then that's so inauthentic. So when, when Mm -hmm. one of the times, one of the patients came in and she was so distraught and so sad. And I thought, you know what? I think she just needs a little helping hand just knowing that she's not alone because as you may know like women feel so alone in this journey even when they go to a fertility clinic and they see like 100 women in the waiting room you still feel alone 
mm-hmm. because there's le- not so much conversation. So I love that you're doing this podcast. So to really tell women with PCOS and that, you know what, you have this and you're not alone and there's, there's a way out. <laughs> and so for me, when I finally surrendered to my gosh, like, cause it's not about me. If I can help make this person feel a little less lonely and a little bit more hopeful, maybe it's time for me to come out. And so I did. And, and, you know, in the background fear of, oh my gosh, he's going to judge me, think that I'm a horrible practitioner. What I received was completely the opposite because she says, thank you. Thank you. Mm. You know, now I trust you even that much more because I know you're rooting for me and that you fully understand me. And that was the beginnings of um, learning about other women's stories. Like I, you know, people, when they're lying down for acupuncture, there's a lot comes out of their mouth. Right. So I just felt the privilege myself, even when I was going through it, because I witnessed them in their depths of their despair. And, you know, most of the time they end up having their families one way, shape or form. And so really my patients were my own inspiration. And through that, I'm like, holy cow, I need to write a book and tell these people's stories so that women can feel empowered and have hope and feel not alone and not have the shame. Let's dispel the shame. Let's open up the conversation. And and that's what I did. And so I documented everything while I was going through my fertility challenge, which it took us six years to have our daughter in front of my face (laughs) where I had her in my arms. But um, it wasn't actually until she was a toddler that I literally was writing my book in the middle of the night every single night for like nine months. So that was my second baby. Oh, it's it. it, Well, you have a beautiful baby second baby I'm sure your first one's beautiful too but this book is beautiful I I love how you have shared the stories of your patients um in such a real way and I think what really um stood out for me is that so many fertility books they they deal with the the specific aspects of fertility treatments you know certainly there's a conversation of diet um, exercise, lifestyle, supplements, but there's not enough focus on um, the the mind body spirit connection. And you kind of mentioned that um, in in our intro together. And I'm going to just read one of the um, a quote from your book, and then you can kind of explain in, in more detail what you mean by it. One of the best things you can do for yourself when trying to get pregnant is to focus on yourself, to relax and be in the moment rather than focusing your energy on trying to put a baby in your belly. I love that you picked that out because that definitely stands out for me every single day as I deal with patients, because this is what happens. Women get so caught up in the, I need to achieve pregnancy. I need to be able to do this that they really forget about themselves and how to fully honor themselves. Because here's the thing. Yes, of course, let's do all the, you know, things that are supportive for your pregnancy, Mm -hmm. things that we know that can help. Like, as you just mentioned, the diet, the lifestyle, the exercise, all of that is really important. It is. But what gets lost and certainly gets lost when you read those how-to books, it's like, well, how are you being as you're mm-hmm. doing it, right? Like you can eat 100% good for fertility and 
do all the right things. But if your frame of mind is like, oh my gosh, this sucks. And every time I get my period, it just feels like, why am I doing all this if I'm not even achieving pregnancy, right? So there's this reevaluation like every month. And so the request and the recommendation is like, well, no, it's when you do this, don't do it for the baby that is not in front of you, that you cannot control the outcome. Like when you do this on yourself and nourish yourself in a way that it is fully for you and let that baby be that spontaneous outcome that there's possibility for it to come out. And, and you know, it actually increases receptivity when we hold on a little less. Mm. So, oh, okay. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, you have this gentle approach to fertility. And I think that just this statement that you say in the book kind of sums it up. We cannot force a pregnancy. We can only encourage it. And yes. that's a, such a, for me, thinking about it that way is kind of a paradigm shift. Um, and Thank you. yeah, I, I, so I love that. I did want to um, talk to you about the, about labels, I guess, um, and mindset. And when I, I, I know I've shared this on the podcast, uh, but when I was 17 years old, I was a freshman and I wrote, I wrote about it in, the, in my book too. Freshman in college, I was having troubles with my cycles. Of course, I wasn't diagnosed with PCOS. That didn't come until 31. But I remember sitting in this cold exam room waiting for the doctor to come in. And the first thing she said to me was, well, we're going to have to jump through hoops one day to get you pregnant. Uh, you know, of course, pregnancy was like the last thing on my mind at 17 as a college freshman, but that's, st that stuck with me. But because my mother also had fertility issues and she did have myself and my sister, I think, uh, you know, I felt a little bit more at ease with that statement that it, that wasn't the sentence for me, but I see so many women and I'm sure you do too, that what their doctor may have told them and an initial consultation has now haunted them and defined their fertility. Um, and I know in your book, you say to kind of frame it as not being infertile, um, but rather having a challenge with your fertility, which I think is a great way to reframe it. But Maybe you could talk to us. You, you've sort of labeled um, that like discussions from with your doctor as you're going to have to help me with this. The nocebo, nocebo. effect. Yeah. Yes, the nocebo Ex effect. Yeah. Explain what that is and how we can overcome the nocebo effect. Yeah. This is such an important concept and one that is not new. And, you know, you might have, you're familiar with the placebo effect, which means that, you know, when it comes to research, they'll look at, let's say, uh, sugar pills, let, let's say you're using Tylenol, right, they're going to look at the effectiveness of Tylenol, or, you know, any kind of painkiller anti-inflammatory. And you compare the group that is being um, using the actual drug, versus the control group that's taking a sugar pill. And the placebo effect occurs when the person believes that whatever they're taking is going to be helpful. 
right? So that's called mm-hmm. the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. But oppositely, and one that is not discussed, but which happens every single day in our lives, and it's not just from doctors, it could even be from, you know, teachers or society culturally. And so the nocebo effect is, uh, let's say you have PCOS and the doctor says exactly what they said to you. And thankfully, you actually have evidence to prove otherwise. So for you, it didn't stick, but it kind of stuck because you remembered exactly what the doctor said. Exactly. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You're like you're 15. You remember mm-hmm. it was 17 years old. That's a mm-hmm. long time. So imagine a woman that does not have evidence. And then the doctor says something and labels you. You are infertile. You have you have um, premature ovarian failure. You have PCOS. Oh, gosh, you're not ovulating. And boy, I think the only way you can get around it is IVF. It's like, wow, that's heavy. And how do you then put this, internalize it in your body? And in Chinese medicine, we say that our internal affects, the seven affects of emotions, which includes the good stuff, like, you know, the joy that we always want to feel all the time. And then, you know, but we don't want to feel the grief, the fear, Mm -hmm. the worry, the anger and frustration and the shock, like all those kinds of things are uncomfortable emotions. But when a doctor says these things to you, that's exactly what gets raised. Mm-hmm. And so we we're quiet about it and we internalize this. And from internalizing this emotional affect, we say in Chinese medicine that that is actually even cause for dis-ease. Mm-hmm. So you may already have something, but it maybe actually potentiates it even more, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to unwind that conversation so that or unravel it to say, you know what? When I do this test and it shows that I have PCOS, it is in this moment, I get that. But guess what? There are lots of things that I can do and let's look for other things. Let's look for stories of hope that will show that, oh gosh, this person will still conceive naturally in the end. So look for other evidence, despite what the doctors tell you, which you did. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that's why, you know, you you wrote your book and, you know, I've, I started PCOS Divas to give women hope that um, a PCOS diagnosis does not mean that you are going to live a less than, um, less than life, you know, that you can thrive with PCOS um, thrive with being fertility challenged. Um, I know you have a, a whole section on survival um, <laughs> suggestions, um, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe you could share a couple of those with us. You know, if it, for those listening who are you know in the the fertility journey right now, um, you know what what can you work on? Um, as you mentioned in that that first quote in your book that we we started this discussion with to work and focus on yourself um yeah give us some suggestions well I think the very first thing is again going back to you know this label and and then saying you know is this really true and you know can things be shifted because what you get at blood work and ultrasound those things can change in time and then look for things that will work. And that's exactly what you do, Amy, right? You tell women, okay, let's look deeply into what, how you're eating, how you're moving, how you're thinking, how you're sleeping. 
even relationships, right? All of those make a difference in our well-being. So let's look at that. And then again, in terms of emotions, it's like, let's, let's actually embrace the emotions that we have, which may be uncomfortable, but let's not suppress it. Is there like a nice way to um, get it out of our system? So journaling is a great way, communicating with friends, family, lover, um, like a paid therapist, or even your acupuncturist. <laughs> so, you know, a coach. So all that is so important. But, you know, again, reframing the, gosh, like I have PCOS and let's look at some of the positivity out of that because truly there's nothing wrong with you. And why I say that is, you know, women with PCOS, it's kind of like you're just in the wrong time. Like we're, we're, exactly. we're right. Like if you were in this um, days when there is um, famine or like less food in the world, then you are the thriving woman. And in fact, PCOS women are great leaders. So, you know, look for all those amazing things, all that you are, and let's embrace that, right? Because as you say, it doesn't have to be bad. It, it isn't bad. We're oh, just it, judging it. We're labeling it as bad. Yeah. And I have, um, I have a, a great podcast about that topic with uh, Dr. Nancy Dunn. So if you're interested in learning more about the wonderful aspects of having PCOS, um, I think we called it the wealth of PCOS. Check out that podcast episode. Awesome. I'll have to check that one out. I've checked a lot out, but I haven't checked that one out. Okay. <laughs> and then, so, you know what, since we're on the topic of PCOS, I, my invitation to you is this for all that is who are listening. Um, you know, there's people call themselves warriors or, um, you know, as they go through fertility and well, Yes, it can be a bit of a fight, but I would actually suggest that fighting means that there's a lot of conscious energy and it requires a lot of energy that can be draining you. And the truth is a woman with PCOS, there's a lot of energy, right? There could be higher testosterone. There's a lot of that male yang energy. And what we need to actually tap into is that feminine yin energy. Yes. Yes. And so instead of looking at yourself as a warrior or, or, you know, instead of thinking that this is a mountain to climb, which is like really arduous and effortful, let's not even envision a mountain. Let's envision this valley. You are the valley and you can be receptive, mm -hmm. right? By allowing the rain to come in to increase fluid and, and that fertile energy to conceive life because as you mentioned earlier I mean you know what just because you have PCOS it doesn't actually equate to infertility anyway we know that we see it so oh I am so happy that you said that um about the that like fighting and um the the warrior and all of these uh the language it, it's all ripe with masculine energy and with PCOS, you're right. We have to embrace that feminine side. And, and that's, I, you know, I think I consciously named, uh, my, my blog back in 2009 PCOS diva, 
because I felt like you, you, you're always going to have PCOS. You can't constantly be fighting yourself, um, that you need to embrace the, the PCOS diva. Yeah. Um, so I love that you see that, uh, relationship as well. And, um, the, the balancing out that yang with things that are more yin, um, I'm wondering is like, what are some yin ways to balance out kind of the PCOS yang energy? Well, and I already said this earlier, but you know, it never hurts to repeat it because again, you know, women come in and they'll ask me, what more can I do? Right. When they're trying to continue, when they're going through their lives and it's like, well, actually I feel like you're doing a lot. I think in fact, you might be doing everything. (laughs) So it's, it's, Maybe the question to ask is, what can you stop doing? Yes. Okay. And, you know, how can you do things a little differently in what Mm -hmm. you're doing to have you stress less? Because then, you know, you're looking at doing it perfectly. And so it's maybe not about being perfect and doing perfection, because in truth, you know, it's a, it's not real it's unachievable because it let's embrace that we are perfectly imperfect and can we do that and or will you honor that and allow yourself to embrace that you're imperfect and you can do things imperfectly and so many of us I call myself a recovering perfectionist I think that's a a real trait with women with PCOS is that perfectionism um and in, in your book, you write a lot about stress and stress really wreaks havoc on PCOS. Uh, you have a lot of great tips on managing stress. Um, but one that I, I think a lot of people don't realize, well, I think they realize how much their jobs are a, a factor of stress in their lives, but I don't know if they make that connection with fertility and their jobs. And I loved this, this line. Um, I, I told you before we got on the, the podcast that it's just so tweetable, but align your life in order to create life. Um, and I think that also means aligning your life, like work, what you're doing in the moment um, during that fertility process. Yes, and it is so important. And in fact, one of the chapters in my book, so it's 15 stories of hope, just so everyone mm-hmm. knows what we're talking about. And it's um, one of them is my own personal story. And then the others, are, it's like very wide and very so. And in, I, intentionally, I didn't only pick PCOS, right? So there's lots of different kinds of mm-hmm. um, um, issues. And, um, but one of them also includes talking about in at work. And so here's the thing, we don't have easily compartmentalized lives, lives, right? It's like when you work and you're trying to conceive, we can pretend that they're separate, but really they kind of breathe into each other. So how do we honor ourselves while we're trying to conceive while we're working? And this you know, was written before COVID, but, you know, one of the things I said is like, you know, can you consider working partly remotely? Because a lot of times, like if you're going to the fertility clinic, it is really difficult to navigate trying to hold down a job and going to a fertility clinic. And, and then what, and then in terms of your life, it can be 
derailed when you're so focused on work and you're still trying to prove yourself so much so that you know you're having quick foods for breakfast lunch and dinner and and what that that does that amount to oftentimes quick sugars right those very easily easy things to access like from bakeries or something right so you know it's not the most healthy so it's when you're working because most of us do work and have to work how can we um, eat as healthy as possible but not have to be perfect if you can live at home and like can cook all day long sure but I think most of us in the working world it's a challenge so if that's the case, you know, what kind of takeout food can be in line with your PCOS? Mm-hmm. So right. for those that are listening that aren't really familiar with Chinese medicine, um, how does a Chinese medicine practitioner complement your, you know, allopathic physician, uh, like reproductive endocrinologists work? Um, what, what would the benefits be and what would you be doing? That's a super great question because, you know, in research more and more too, like there's lots of women that are going through IVF and in New York, I saw one paper and they said about nine, over 90% of women that do fertility work are also seeing a TCM person, which I thought, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Right. So the point is it can work and it does. And here's the reason the fertility clinic basically are able to give you numbers and they treat via drugs and um, surgical procedures. And their aim is to really increase the number of eggs. And what we are doing is we're wanting to help the quality of the eggs and the quality of the uterine lining and the quality of the reproductive hormones. And this is how I'll explain it. When you do acupuncture, when you do herbal medicine, the aim is, and we see it through research, it increases blood flow to your reproductive organs. It decreases the cortisol levels. It increases the um, release of endorphins, the feel-good natural hormones, which then will actually help your whole cascade of hormones, reproductive Mm -hmm. hormones, from the hypothalamus to the pituitary to the ovaries. And so by increasing the blood volume to the reproductive organs, what you're doing is you're increasing cellular energy. So the ATP that drives um, the cells, cellular division, it helps to increase nutrients. It helps to increase oxygenation. It helps to take away debris that you know needs to be taken away. It helps to with um, any kind of adhesions to move that out. And so I compare it to when you plant a seed in the soil. You don't just plant a seed in the soil. You actually have to prepare it. You till it, you weed it, you water it, and you have to continue doing so after the seed is planted. So same with this kind of work, and which also includes the whole lifestyle piece. And by the way, Chinese medicine in of itself includes lifestyle dietary therapies, um, Tai Chi, Qi Gong, as well as the acupuncture piece and the herbal medicine piece. But really, it's like your whole life. So we need to look at your life, even preconception. So if you're in a place of, I have PACOS and maybe one day, or maybe not, um, I'll have a kid. Well, really going back to let's treat yourself first, 
let's be in alignment in more balance so that when the time comes or if you decide to your body is that much more closer to the ability to conceive and make life and i i think um also that emotional aspect of your being how important that is um and you you mentioned that in your book it's it's often the greatest contributor to imbalances in the body and i yeah. think that that is besides the storytelling and the stories that you tell about um you know the seven seven other women and yourself um that really getting uh and giving great advice around that that emotional aspect um i think is a, a you know a huge positive um in your book so I would, and I highly recommend it. I know you could pick it up on um, Amazon. Yeah. So any, any outfitter and I actually recorded um, it through for audible too. So it's in my voice. So if you're not a reader and you need to like walk around and consume books, which is what I'm really good at these days, <laughs> you can get it on audible, but yes, the print book, you can get, go through Amazon or um, what's your, uh, oh my gosh, what's your big Barnes and Noble, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and it's called Pathways to Pregnancy by Mary Wong. And where can we learn more about your work? So you can find me on Instagram at meet Mary Wong and just follow me there. But if you want to go to my website, you can go to meetmarywong.com as well. My clinic itself is alive, holistic health clinic.ca. And do you take um, telemedicine calls? Or are you pretty much because you're in Canada? That's right. So I am in Canada and I do take some telemedicine calls as well. But of course, people that are local just come in and sees our team um, that, yeah, like I'm super excited. And you can always uh, hear our podcast to my fertility podcast and so yeah i'd love to hear from you at d you can dm me on uh, on instagram too if you have any questions and yeah uh, yeah i'm just here yeah. for you all <laughs> and you're you're outside of toronto is that i'm in toronto in toronto okay. oh yeah we're like right in the heart of toronto oh so you're you're there with dr fiona mccullough too yes she's a friend of mine she's a good friend of mine in fact, I just texted her yesterday. <laughs> oh, I've, I've have, I haven't seen her in a while because I haven't been to any conferences because no. of COVID. So I miss seeing her, but she, yeah, she's, she's a great um, PCOS naturopath. So yeah, she is like, she's like my kindred spirit. Like we're about the same I height. Know. She's like the white version oh, of I... me and younger, but <laughs> we went to the same high school even and junior high. I'm like, what? Oh God! by accident. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. You definitely, um, you know, have a, have a similar approach and the, you're, you're my peeps. I, I've, this is the, the way of managing, um, and healing PCOS that I think really works. Um, so I'm, I'm so grateful to you for reaching out with your book and, um, you know, being able to get you on the podcast to share, you know, all of your wisdom. So thank you, Mary. Thank you. And I can't wait to have you on our podcast too, My Fertology. Oh, yeah. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to this uh, session of the PCOS Diva podcast. I look forward to being with you again very soon. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcusdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.